The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, look with loving mercy on your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed, to be given over to the hands of sinners, and to suffer death on the cross, who now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.
and there is no one to help. Many young bulls encircle me, strong bulls of say 
bow down in worship. All who go down to the dust, though they be dead, shall kneel before the Lord. Their descendants shall serve the Lord, whom they shall proclaim to generations to come. They shall proclaim God's deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying to them, The Lord has acted. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? second reading is from the book of Hebrews, 10th chapter. After the Holy Spirit says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Word of God, word of life. You may remain seated until we reach the point of the crucifixion. Look to Jesus, who for the sake of joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, 
whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the soldiers and their officer and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, 
the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it, warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. At that moment, the cock crowed.
Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. Thank you. 
Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die because he has claimed to be the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified.
So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but this man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill the scripture that says, They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit.
Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, They will look on the one whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one, because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Please be seated. In my sermon last night, I mentioned how the cross can be abused when it is separated from Christ's life-giving mission, the one he offered us in a meal on Thursday night. This is my body for you, this is my blood for you, he said. And when we look at the cross, we should see a reflection of that, his body given for us, his blood poured out for us. The violence itself of the cross is nothing holy, is not worthy of our worship. The cross was a tool of public torture and death used by the thugs of the Roman Empire to make an example of those who dared cross them. There's nothing redemptive or saving about this abuse, this violence. But what is holy, what is worthy of our worship is Christ, the Word made flesh, who in his self-giving on the cross, who in his identification with our suffering, with the oppressed and lowly of this world, who in his love for us transformed this instrument of death into a tree of life. More than once in the Passion story and again in the resurrection story of John, he will mention that we are in a garden. I think he wants us to connect that to the creation story where there is a new tree of life in a new creation, an instrument of death 
transformed into the source of life for us. The cross is abused when violence is made holy in our eyes. As an example, I think of the stories that came out of the Bosnian genocide of the 1990s, where Serbian Christians would destroy the homes of their Muslim neighbors and then erect a cross on top of the ruins, as if to say, this is our territory now. And as recently as 2017, the cross was used as a symbol in a memorial celebrating the perpetrators of genocide in Bosnia. In our own country, the symbol of a burning cross was used to spread racial terror and violence. What a perverted and even demonic use of the tree of life. And I think as well as we read John's version of the Passion Story, of how this version of the Passion Story has too often been used in the history of the church as an excuse for violence on this day against our Jewish neighbors. These examples of violence made holy or violence done in the name of the holy is the meaning of the cross inverted. The beauty of Christ's love and identification with us is turned upside down. It is made to be perverse and blasphemous. As the Episcopalian Fleming Rutledge writes, if the cross is not acted out in our lives with special regard for those with whom Christ identified himself in the manner of his death, the low and despised among us, the cross becomes blasphemous. In other words, the cross of Christ should lead us into greater compassion and solidarity with the poor and the suffering and the excluded and the sick and the imprisoned and the oppressed. Because that is what Jesus did for us, what Jesus does for us this day. He enters our suffering and our pain, our weakness and our despair. He goes to the place that would be the most God-forsaken in our eyes, and he says, I will meet you there. He gave his body and his blood as life for us. And it is blasphemy when we use the cross to justify our violence, the world's violence, to cover up our neglect of the poor, to adorn our callousness towards others. I'm cognizant this day of the orange banner in front of our sanctuary, which we have been hanging in our sanctuary for many days now. This banner is meant to keep in front of us the memory of, indig of indigenous children sent to residential boarding schools. Many of these boarding schools in Canada and the United States were run by Christians of several different denominations. In these schools, the culture and identity of indigenous children were stripped away and they were forced into a Christian way of being, a so-called Christian way of being. And the color orange has come to symbolize this history. What's worse, and why we are doing this Orange Banner project now, is they have discovered, they have uncovered these mass graves of children who died in these schools. In the summer of 2021, the remains of more than 215 children were found at a school in British Columbia. In our own country, the remains of 10 children were found on the grounds of the Carlisle Indian School in Pennsylvania. More investigation is happening now than there has in the past, and I imagine we will be hearing more and more of this. 
The orange banner is meant to stand in honor of those children who survived and in memory of those who never made it home. I wonder how many of those schools had crosses on top of them. It fills me with shame to think of it. The Passion story, according to John's Gospel, invites us to consider where we would stand on that day thousands of years ago. Would we have betrayed him like Judas? Would we have fled like so many of his other followers? Would we have denied him like Peter, saying, I am not one of his disciples? Would we have shouted with the crowds, Would we have wept with his mother and Mary Magdalene at the cross? Would we have snuck back quietly to help with his body like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus? This passion story challenges us each year and now, today. Where would you have stood on that day? But on the other hand, we don't have to wonder. Where we would have stood on that day is where we stand today. Because the crucifixion continues to happen in our world. There is a Golgotha in Ukraine today. There is a Golgotha in a hospital room today. There is a Golgotha in the county jail, in the homeless shelter. Sometimes there's a Golgotha in your own home, in your own heart. But Christ goes there for you. Christ is there with you. Christ meets you in those places where you least expect to find him. When we think we have finally found the God-forsaken place, Christ says, that is where I will find you. We find him in the face of people in need. Christ in disguise, as Mother Teresa was known to say. We gather at the foot of this cross, But we could just as reverently take our service out there to the neighborhood, to the world that Christ died for. The cross is a symbol that's meant to draw us into the suffering and needs of our neighbors. Christ placed himself alongside us. He entered into our suffering and he gave himself away like bread and wine, like body and blood for us and for our salvation. His cross is not meant for domination, for power over others through violence. It is meant for power with and on behalf and in service of others. In reverencing this cross, we reverence not the horrible attraction of violence, but the love of Christ who loved us even to the point of death, even to the point of death on a cross. Because that is the paradox of this day, of Good Friday. A good day, a solemn day, a painful day, a life-giving day. We gather at the foot of the cross and we reverence a tree of love and life. Amen.
Since the third century, the Good Friday liturgy has included an extensive bidding prayer. Just as Jesus stretched out his arms to embrace all of creation, our prayer is meant to stretch to the far corners of our world, praying for all those in need. Each prayer will begin with a bid, an introduction, inviting you to join in silent prayer for these uh, aspects of our world. And I will conclude each prayer with a spoken prayer. Let us pray, brothers and sisters, for the Holy Church throughout the world. Almighty and eternal God, you have shown your glory to all nations in Jesus Christ. By your Holy Spirit, guide the church and gather it throughout the world. Help it to persevere in faith, proclaim your name, and bring the good news of salvation in Christ to all people. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Let us pray for joy, our bishop, for all pastors and deacons, all servants of the church, and for all the people of God. Almighty and eternal God, your spirit guides the church and makes it holy. Strengthen and uphold our bishops, pastors, other ministers, and lay leaders. Keep them in health and safety for the good of the church. And help each of us in our various vocations to do faithfully the work to which you have called us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for those preparing for baptism. Almighty and eternal God, you continue to bless the church. Increase the faith and understanding of those preparing for baptism. Give them new birth as your children, and keep them in the faith and communion of your holy church. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for our sisters and brothers who share our faith in Jesus Christ. Almighty and eternal God, you give your church unity. Look with favor on all who follow Jesus, your Son. Make all the baptized one in the fullness of faith, and keep us united in the fellowship of love. 
We ask this through Christ our Lord. Let us pray for the Jewish people, the first to hear the word of God. Almighty and eternal God, long ago you gave your promise to Abraham and your teaching to Moses. Hear our prayers that the people you called and elected as your own may receive the fulfillment of the covenant's promises. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Let us pray for those who do not share our faith in Jesus Christ. Almighty and eternal God, gather into your embrace all those who call out to you under different names. Bring an end to interreligious strife and make us more faithful witnesses of the love made known to us in your Son. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Let us pray for those who do not believe in God. Almighty and eternal God, you created humanity so that all may long to know you and find peace in you. Grant that all may recognize the signs of your love and grace in the world and in the lives of Christians and gladly acknowledge you as the one true God. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for God's creation. Almighty and eternal God, you are the creator of a magnificent universe. Hold all the worlds in the arms of your care and bring all things to fulfillment in you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Let us pray for those who serve in public office. Almighty and eternal God, you are the champion of the poor and oppressed. In your goodness, give wisdom to those in authority so that all people may enjoy justice, peace, freedom, and a share in the goodness of your creation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. 
Let us pray for those in need. Almighty and eternal God, you give strength to the weary and new courage to those who have lost heart. Heal the sick, comfort the dying, give safety to travelers, free those unjustly deprived of liberty, and deliver your world from falsehood, hunger, and disease. Hear the prayers of all who call on you in any trouble, that they may have the joy of receiving your help in their need. We ask this through Christ our Lord.
Please stand as you are able. Finally, let us pray for all those things for which our Lord would have us ask. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. After this final prayer, uh, all are welcome, if you wish, to come forward and uh, reverence the cross with a bow, or you may touch the cross or, or kneel and pray, if you wish. Uh, and then we'll depart in silence. We glory in your cross, O Lord, and we praise your holy resurrection. For by your cross, joy has come into the world. May God be merciful and bless us. May the light of God's face shine upon us. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. We glory in your cross, O Lord, and we praise your holy resurrection. For by your cross, joy has come into the world. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. May God give us blessing, and may all the ends of the earth stand in awe. We glory in your cross, O Lord, and we praise your holy resurrection. For by your cross, joy has come into the world. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you. By your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. Amen.